Welcome, everyone. Uh, pastor yesterday came down with COVID. Yes. And uh, we'll keep him in our prayers. My name is Vinny. I'm the president of the church council and, uh, and a deacon. Uh, and with the help of Larry, we'll get through the service today. Uh, I got some announcements. Any new visitors? Could you please stand? <laughs> Larry, okay, Larry. Next Friday dance is ten seven twenty two. Food uh, five p.m. and music at six p.m. Online giving, QR code now available and insert to use on your smartphone. If you need help or demo, see Barbara. Barbara, could you please stand up for a second? Or, okay. Music jams are Saturday at 1 p.m. Merry Widow's lunch is tomorrow, Monday, September 19th at 12.30. Breakfast station corner of Little Road and Embassy Boulevard, next to the pet store in the plaza. The next mobile pantry is October 13th at 3 p.m. Lifeline screening event is coming on September 21st and is an all-day in Kyle Hall. The number on the flyer to register. The events are not free. There is a charge. Karaoke will be in Kyle Hall, Friday, September 23rd at 6 p.m., the fourth Friday of each month. Outreach, yard sale is Saturday, October 1st, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. And are there any other announcements? I have one. Hold on. <laughs> I got to find the mic. I got this. Hello? No. My fingernail can't get in there. 
I wanted to say, um, this is kind of a funny announcement, but Bob and I went to the movies a couple days ago, and we saw, we were the only people in the theater, we saw a movie called Running the Bases. It's based on a true story, and it is a Christian movie. And when I say a Christian movie, it doesn't just kind of touch the fact that God is our creator or whatever. It has the whole plan of salvation in this. It shows how and um, we can be a better Christian. The story is good, and um, I encourage all of you to go and see this. One other time when I went, I went to the um, head of it there. It's at Regal. And I did yesterday, and I thank them for showing those movies because they don't normally get a lot of people for them. But this one in particular was powerful. It's running the bases. Just remember baseball. <laughs> Any other announcements? No other announcements? So we'll start. <clears throat> if everyone please rise. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who is eager to forgive and who loves us beyond our days. Amen. Amen. Dear friends, together let us acknowledge our failure to love this world as Jesus does. We take a moment of silence. God of mercy and forgiveness, we confess that sin still has a hold on us. We have harmed your good creation. We have failed to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you. Turn us in a new direction. Show us the path that leads to life. Be our refuge and strength on the journey. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and friend. Amen. Beloved of Beloved God, your sins are forgiven and you are made whole. God points the way to new life in Christ, who meets us on the road. Journey now in God's abiding love through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Please join me in praying the prayer of the day. God among us, we gather in the name of your Son to learn love for one another. Keep your feet from evil paths. Turn in our minds to your wisdom and our hearts to the grace revealed in your Son 
Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Seated, please. A reading from Amos. Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us read responsibly Psalm 113. Alleluia. Give praise, you servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed. From this time forth forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down. Let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. Who is like the Lord our God? But stoops to behold. The Lord takes up the weak out of the dust. Enthroning them with the rulers. The Lord makes the woman of a childless house. Second reading from 1 Timothy. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The word of the Lord. Everyone, please be seated. Well, good morning. I apologize for my absence this morning, but it seems that I came down with COVID. I tested positive, well, it would be yesterday, Saturday afternoon. 
I thought I was coming down with a little bit of a cold, but then I started running a fever. I never run a fever with colds. I went and got a couple test kits. I tested positive. I don't want to give anybody else this, but by the same token, it was too late to try to arrange for supply. So we have someone filling in, reading my parts of the worship. There won't be communion this week. There'll be service of the word. But otherwise, it's everything else. But I did want to bring a message to you this week, particularly in light of some of the things that have gone on recently. So first, I'm going to read the gospel. Now, the gospel this week is from the gospel of Luke, the 16th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as, man as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked first, how much do you owe my master? He quickly answered, a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 50. Then he asked, how much do you owe? And he replied, 100 containers of wheat. He said, take your bill and make it 80. And then his master commended the dishonest minister, manager because he had acted truly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of the light. And I tell you, Make friends for yourself by the means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into their eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if not been faithful to what belongs to another, who will give it who will give you what is your own no slave can serve two masters for a slave will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and wealth the gospel of our lord I apologize for sitting down, but quite frankly, I don't have the energy to stand. So this way, it also makes it easier for the camera. I'm not going to move off the screen. This is one of those difficult texts. This is one of those difficult texts that comes up every three years, and most pastors will punt on it. Most preachers will say, that is too convoluted. I'm, and, you know, we read the, the the commentaries, we read what other people have said, and yet nothing really resolved this text to me. Now, it's not alone. There are other difficult texts. I think the book of Jacob is full of difficult texts because here you have, through much of the book of Jacob, 
the Israelites coming in from the wilderness and slaughtering the people in the name of God. I just, I have a problem with that. But there's also that other difficult text where Abraham is told and sacrificed his son Isaac. And again, I've read commentaries and none of them really ever come close to satisfying what this text is about. And as I said, this text about the dishonest manager falls into that category. It's a difficult text. But let's leave the difficult text because I had an insight into it this week. Now, as maybe many of you know, because we're trying to scramble to get the word out, our offering disappeared at some point between when it was put in the drawer on Sunday and when it was going to be taken out Monday morning to be counted. And this is the first time this has ever happened here. And it's very easy to start trying to think of who might have done it, and I just want to stop you right there. That will do nothing. That will do nothing to but create dissension, create disunity, create disharmony among the body of Christ here. So at this point, let me say, to whoever did it, you're welcome to it, and you are forgiven, because we are forgiven. I have two superpowers as a pastor. I have the power to hold somebody's sins to them, and I have the power to forgive sins. Those are my superpowers. Now, I try to use that second power very liberally, because quite frankly, I'm in need of a lot of forgiveness myself. That first power to hold someone's sins to them, I'm kind of scared of that, so I avoid that one. But as I say, you're forgiven. And I seriously hope that this was enough that you could put food on the table, pay rent, cover a medical bill, because there's always desperation when this kind of thing takes place. And I've seen desperation. The story I've told people when we were in Philadelphia, there was a man in the congregation who lived under the highway, lived under 95. 95 was an elevated, elevated highway through the neighborhood, and he lived under it. That was his roof over his head. And there were times that things disappeared, and it would have been very easy to accuse him. But I still remember the one time when we were doing joys and concerns, he stood up and he shared a joy because of the warmth of the, the days and the, the heat on the highway. We had a downpour that afternoon or into the evening. And the, there was a broken rain leader that sprayed down. And he said, because of that heat in the road, the water that came down there was warm. And he says he was sharing a joy about getting a warm shower which he hadn't had for a lot of time. I can't imagine being that desperate, and I'm, I'm sure many of you can't imagine either. But this is the point I want to make. There's desperation involved. So don't think about who did it. Don't worry about who did it. We'll take, we will be better managers going forward that it's not there for temptation. But whoever did it, just know that the forgiveness of Christ is yours to claim. But it was this 
setting, this problem, this situation that occurred this week that gave me an insight into this lesson. See, with Jesus, a lot of times when he sets up a situation, you've got to view it more metaphorically, okay? He's not talking about an individual wealthy man and an individual man manager. Jesus is speaking about the manager is God. And the, or the wealthy man is God. The manager turns out to be us. See, there's two ways of looking at things in this world. And I've talked about this a, a few times, and I talked about it when I was sharing about why I give. There's the ownership model, and there's the stewardship model. And in the ownership model, what we have, it's ours. We do with it as we please. We care for it or not care for it, however we feel, okay? It doesn't matter. It is ours. We earned it. We was given to us. It is ours. We own the title. Then there's the stewardship model. And this is the one that I suggest that we examine really closely. Because in the stewardship model, everything that's in this world, including the world itself, is God's. Every bit of wealth, every field, every tree, every person is God's. But have we been, as humanity, the best stewards of this creation? Have we been the best stewards with the wealth that we've been entrusted? Have we been the best stewards with other people? Let's talk about the world first. The way I understand it, they were talking about global warming back in the 70s. The first scientists started talking about the fact that fossil fuels... The, were, the combustion of fossil fuel was releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, and the buildup of carbon dioxide was going to cause a greenhouse effect and raise the temperature of the planet. It was also the early 70s, if I remember correctly, where we had our first gas embargoes, where we had our first OPEC cutting off the flow, where we had gas lines. It was 19... 74, I remember having gas lines and the price of, of petroleum shot up. Now, if that wasn't our warning that we were dependent upon a resource that someone else could control, and it's about time we put together all the people that would be capable of getting around that, plus with the advent of scientists saying, you know, we got to stop burning fossil fuel. Now, We've made a lot of strides, guaranteed. We've raised the mileage, the MPG of vehicles, way up from what they used to be in the 70s. We've cut down the amount of pollution that they put into the air. But we really haven't rid ourselves of our addiction to fossil fuel. And yet, every season that goes by with the report, it was the hottest on record. And not to make you any more nervous, there's a large glacier 
that according to scientists is hanging on by its fingernails in the Antarctic. And when that, when that lets go, the water level is going to rise, the sea level is going to rise anywhere from two to five feet, depending on who you talk to. And I saw a map of the Miami metro area, what they project it's going to look like in 2060, and it looks more like Venice than dry land. So we haven't done the best job of caring for this creation. How many animals have gone extinct during humanity's time? How many times have we fouled the air or fouled the water? Do you know the most important resource we have in this world is water? And yet, the amount of the world's supply of water, even though the earth is covered by 70% water, the amount of potable water is less than 1%. Potable meaning water that you can drink right out of the ground. And yet we continue to drain our aquifers and pollute our streams, whether it's organic runoff from fields, from, from agriculture, or whether it's industrial waste or sewage. We continue to foul our streams, and not just here, throughout the world. So we haven't done such a good job of creation. Well, let's get into the actual wealth. It really begins to bother me when I can see that the difference between the people who are just scraping to get by the amount of income that they have available to them and the multi-multi-billionaires continuing to pile up fortune after fortune. And we've even let it gotten to the point where they can now manipulate the government through campaign contributions to get their way. It is really a disgrace when school teachers and firefighters and doctors and others, just everyday normal people, are paying a greater percentage of tax on their income than multi-billionaires. But yet, when does it stop? And even thus, with the wealth that we have, I talk about tithing. There's an importance to tithing because you're saying that the, your wealth does not control you. And the other thing about tithing, I've never had a problem financially when I've been tithing. Yes, I've been challenged. Yes, there were some really tough times. And I can tell story after story about the time our survey, well, Marjorie and I were both serving in inner city Philadelphia. And there were times that she wasn't collecting a paycheck and I was collecting a very small paycheck. Yet because of our student loans to get through seminary and our mortgage, we essentially had three mortgage payments. But yet we've come through this in spite of the challenges. So it's always good to examine your daytimer and your checkbook. Where do you spend your wealth? Where do you spend your money? If you are spending more when you go out to eat on a bar bill than you put in the plate every week, maybe you need to examine how you handle your wealth. And the third aspect, the third most valuable resource that we have in this world is each other. Each other. Both the great and the brilliant as well as the weak and those who are stumbling. 
those who are contributing great things to our society, as well as those who have needs, incredible needs. We are still the greatest resource, and yet how do we treat one another? Do we put labels on people because they make us uncomfortable and make them less than? Do we use them as pawns, political pawns in a stunt? Scared, frightened people? Is that how God would have us manage? See, the good news in this lesson is right in the lesson. The manager, who's now been called out for his dishonest ways, is being shrewd. He decides, I'm going to start forgiving some of the debts that are owed to the manager just to save my own skin. Maybe that's the lesson for all of us before our master decides that we're no longer very good stewards of this creation, our own wealth, or one another. Maybe if we start forgiving all the sins that have been laid against us, whether corporate or financial, and we start moving forward from that part, maybe just to save our own hides. But I think that's what Jesus is talking about, a turning. And if we start out of self-interest, the wonderful thing about giving is it compounds and you get a good feeling and you've re made new friends and you start to appreciate the beauty of the world you live in. And it grows and you go more in to disciple of the kingdom of God, recognizing your debt to the creator. Now, I want everyone to close their eyes and I want you to, I now know you did, a con, did the confession already, but I want you to think really closely. Think about the times that maybe you treated someone wrong. Think about the times that maybe you were not the best steward of creation. Or think about the time that you were maybe a little stingy about what you were giving away. Think about those times and hear my words. As a call and ordained minister in the Church of Jesus Christ, I hereby declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sinfulness. Go out and forgive one another. Amen.
In Christ, you have heard the word of faith, the gospel of salvation. We believe in him and are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Living together in trust and hope, we confess our faith. Now, God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As scattered grains of wheat are gathered together into one bread, so let us gather our prayers for the church, those in need, and all of God's creation. God our Savior, you keep your church in faith and truth. Accompany those preparing for baptism or affirmation of baptism. Enlighten preachers, teachers, seminarians, and all those who share your good news with the world. God of grace. Divine teacher, you instruct your children to be responsible stewards of your creation. Show us how best to care for the earth and its resources, and guide those who work to develop sustainable practices. God of grace. Ruler of nations, you direct those in authority. Give leaders wisdom and compassion so that all may live in peace. Inspire public servants to follow the example of courageous leaders and safeguard the dignity of each person. God of grace. Helper of the needy, you lift up those who are oppressed. 
breathe justice into economic and social systems that perpetuate poverty and hunger, sustain food ministries, clothing banks, emergency shelters, and heal those who are ill, especially Pastor Jim, Verna, Helen, Charles, Jessica, Carmela, Barbara, Phil, Robert, Violet, Malaki, Rob, Richard, Alex, Jean, Sydney, Donna, David, Jill, Sandy, Raymond, Brett, William, Louie, Robert, Adeline, and Suzette. God of grace, sustainer and giver of life, you bless this congregation with abundance. Instruct us in proper and faithful use of wealth and resources that we share generously. God of grace. God of glory, you gather your saints around your throne. Keep us thankful for the witness of those who have gone before us and bring us with them to the heavenly feast that has no end. God of grace. Gather together in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Gracious God, we offer these and all our prayers to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us take a moment and share the peace with one another.
pastors ask us each to come up and each of the council members to come and explain why we give. We all have different stories, which is, I think, why pastor wants each of us to share our story. Christine gave a fabulous story last weekend. Mine will be very different from hers. I hope it will still carry the same meaning. I retired from the CIA. I spent about 17 years overseas working for God and country before receiving the dreaded call to come be a headquarters weenie. Those of you who've served in the military know what I'm talking about. But it was the only way I was going to be promoted. So I moved my family to Northern Virginia and eventually became chief of operations for a group that specialized in preventing shipment of WMD-related material to hostile countries. I had a staff of about 20 working for me. They very quickly learned that when I asked why we did or didn't do things a certain way, the two responses that would get them kicked out of my office were, we've always done it that way. We've never done it that way. That response translates to, I don't know why, but if I say I don't know why, I'll sound stupid. So I'm going to go with, we've always done it that way. Imagine my surprise when pastor asked me to explain why I give. And the only answer I could come up with was that I was born, baptized, raised, confirmed, and married in the Lutheran church, and, wait for it, we'd always done it that way. <laughs> I remember when my dad was a church council member at Trinity Lutheran Church in Grafton, Ohio. We went to church every Sunday, we always seemed to arrive about two minutes late, and we always paraded down the center aisle and sat in the second row in the front. I have since learned that good Lutherans sit in the back. <laughs> I try and split the difference and sit in the middle, but still on the left side, because we always sat on the left side. I remember as a child watching my dad and other council members count the donation every Sunday. One day, I asked my dad why people give money. He looked at me like the child I was and said, because all this costs money. To quote the Eurythmics, and I hope pastor's watching because I know how much he loves the Wayback Music Machine, I have traveled the world in seven seas, and I cannot tell you how many churches, even the huge European cathedrals, have closed because of lack of support. A church is essentially a business. It's a capitalist at its heart. We, we have to raise money. We have to have income. In my view, money has still historically been a source of distraction to the church. That's capital C, church. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're told the story of Jesus driving the money changers from the temple. One of the causes of the Reformation 1,500 years later was the Catholic Church's focus on money. They would sell indulgences. And I have to say that carefully because my wife is Catholic. <laughs> it's been my experiences that Lutheran churches don't generally focus on money, except once a year when they talk about the, the coming donation for the coming year. But that doesn't mean, just because we don't focus on it, that things still don't cost money. Insurance costs money. Salaries cost money. Roof repairs cost money. Hismos cost money. 
Projectors cost money. You all live here. So why do I give? It takes money to maintain any family, including your church family. Why give? Offering prayer, let us pray the offering prayer as one voice. Gracious God, in your great love, you richly provide for our needs. Make of these gifts a banquet of blessing and make us ready to share with all in need. Through Jesus Christ, who sets a table for all. Amen. Please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God who gives life to all things and frees us, free, frees us from despair. Bless with truth and peace and may the Holy Trinity one God. Guide you always in faith, hope, and love. Amen.
Go in peace with Christ beside you.